This morning's uh, scripture text comes from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go towards the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. And he had come from Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to that chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb silent before its shearer, so does he not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak. And starting with the scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's some water. What's preventing me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is God's word to us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this story. God, thank you for the willingness of Philip to follow your spirit. And God, thank you so much for testimonies of baptism. God, I pray that whatever words we would hear about baptism this morning would not be mine, but would be yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, if you had asked me in seminary what I thought of baptism, I would have been able to state pretty clearly what I thought of it, but it it really changes things when um, a person's involved and you begin to think about going through the the whole ritual. And so this week I've been pretty confused about baptism and you're going to hear that in the sermon this morning. So buckle in and and get ready. Um, I'll probably leave you with more questions this morning than answers, but hopefully we can come to to some answer. You know, the, the, the text wasn't very helpful this week. I thought I would learn something about baptism from the text, but the text is so straightforward. You know, Philip is sort of this random uh, evangelical character that comes into the book of Acts, and he's not here very long. And, uh, but he's an obedient servant of God. He hears the Spirit speaking to him, and he says, all right, I will follow your will, Spirit. And so he jumps on the chariot, and he begins to speak to the eunuch, and then the eunuch's baptized. But the eunuch actually does a lot of the work. You know, the eunuch had come all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship and was returning from worshiping. And so there had been something in the eunuch that had been stirred up about God and the gospel. And 
and Philip is just sort of there. He's just in the right place at the right time. But the, the eunuch's also searching, which is, you know, not something that Philip could have helped. The, the eunuch is looking in the scriptures and asking questions and wondering things. And, and Philip, listening to the Spirit, happens to be in the right place at the right time. And, you know, in the Presbyterian church, we, we baptize people usually as infants. It's actually, I think, a more common practice to do it as infants. But we'll baptize anybody. And so I, I say the text wasn't very helpful because, you know, it, it's the will of the Ethiopian eunuch that is, that is really leading this story on. Now, I, I would say that the Holy Spirit is leading it ultimately, but the eunuch is in the right place, right? He's, he's reading the scriptures. He's studying. He's curious. He's willing to travel a long way to learn about God. And Philip gets a call from God and ends up in the right place at the right time, and they baptize him. And the Presbyterian church, we take an infant and we say, we're going to baptize you, and then we're going to commit to raising you up and to teach you about you know, God and, and, and hopefully instill with them the kind of curiosity that the Ethiopian eunuch had. And that's a whole community project. You know, that's not just one person. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the parents. It's, it's actually the whole community that, that's responsible for that. But my question about baptism this week was, well, how do you do that? How do you create that? How do you, how do you instill within um, Dean, for example, this curiosity for God? How do you show him what baptism means as he grows up? How do we teach him about his baptism? And, and again, the text just wasn't very helpful, you know, because we already have a person in a place that's studying and, and, and is curious. And so I started thinking about other ways that people had talked to me about baptism. And I just want to share three stories this morning that I think have, have shaped my view of baptism and hopefully will shape your view of baptism. The first story is my, I had a professor in college who... Uh, he wasn't a religion professor, but was a very religious man. He was actually an economics professor. And he talked about baptism like this. He said, you know, every time I wake up in the morning, I think about how messy my bed is. And I have the opportunity to make my bed in the morning. And that process of making the bed in the morning for him was kind of like baptism. It was, the, it was sort of the writing of uh, all of the chaos in your life. You know, and we'll go through this whole bit in the in the ritual of the renunciation of evil. And not that a messy bed is evil, right? But it, it was a symbol for him of the opportunity that God had given him to create order out of the chaos that was in his life. And he talked about it also, you know, when he took a shower every morning, he thought about the waters of his baptism, he said. And he said that, you know, washing himself from the smelliness of, you know, sleeping that evening or whatever he was doing, that, all of that leaving him was kind of like the waters of baptism washing over him, making him clean and new. It was sort of this change, right, from a messy bed in a messy room or a messy environment and God's love coming in and, and creating order out of that. Um, or, you know, a messy body and, and a smelly body and God's love coming in and, and writing that. And those are two small examples. But for him, he said this sort of radiated out to everything he did in his life. You know, and, and so you can imagine anything in your life that's chaotic, uh, you always have the opportunity to bring order to it. You always have the opportunity to make it right. And 
making your bed's kind of a silly example, but it's also not a silly example. It can be a really spiritual thing, you know, and I, uh, before Sarah and I got together, we both claimed to have made the bed every single morning, and now that, you know, we're living together, no one makes the bed in the morning, um, which is maybe a lost opportunity to remember our baptism, but I, I think that these examples, these little ways of infusing spirituality into our lives are so important. And so if you make your bed, think about baptism. If you take a shower in the morning, think about your baptism. This next example is only going to apply to some of you. Um, I think that baptism is a lot like getting a new pair of glasses, okay? And, and work with me on this because I've been, I've been practicing this all week and I just don't know how it's going to go over, all right? So I can remember when I was 10 or 11 years old, I, I was told by the school nurse that we were having eye exams in the school. This is when they still did this. And um, I went down, I had my eye exam, and it was like very clear that I needed glasses. I couldn't see anything, okay? And the nurse called my mom and she said, hey, Garrett's got to get glasses, so we schedule an appointment. I go see the eye doctor, and I go through the whole appointment, and then I get to the end, and they're like, okay, you need to pick your glasses. But the reality hadn't really set in for me yet that I was going to have to get glasses. I mean, people had said that, but the moment was there, you know. And 10-year-old Garrett, I was, I was very dramatic. I was very distraught, and I was not going to have a pair of glasses. I didn't want to change my identity like that. I was, I mean, and really, I threw a fit in the store. I was like crying. I was like, Mom, I'm not getting glasses because I couldn't accept the reality of it. And so my mom waited uh, like two weeks, and she said, we're going to go back once a week until you pick your glasses. And we went back another time, and I didn't pick glasses. But then the second time we went back, she invited my friend Spencer along. And I'll never forget Spencer helping me pick those glasses out. And I was asking him, well, do you like these? How do you think these work? And, and eventually, I think he just got tired of me asking, which ones do you like? Which ones do you like? And he said, just pick the ones that you like, you know, and just, just wear them. Because I think all the ones that you've picked are fine, but you have to choose it because I'm not going to wear these glasses. And Sarah and I were going through this process this week, actually. So, and I've, I've asked her if I can share this. So she is... Uh, just found out she has to get glasses, okay? And um, uh, she's not 10 years old, but, you know, at this point in life, I think it's a little bit, um, yeah, it, it's a little different, but I think it's just as difficult probably to process the fact that you, your identity is going to change a little bit. You know, it's just glasses. A lot of us have glasses and we're used to it, but um, as, as we were picking glasses and trying them on, I, I had sort of forgotten this story about Spencer and I thought she had a, a bunch of pairs that she tried on that I really liked. I was like, those are fine, those are fine. And then, and then finally, I, I said what Spencer said to me. is like, you have to pick the glasses that you like. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what, uh, what I think would look good on you. You have to choose the ones that fit right with you because you're going to have to put them on every single day. You're going to have to remember to put them on. You're going to have to wear them. You're going to have to feel comfortable in them. And, and, and I think that this is, this is sort of like baptism, and, and this is where I, I need you to work with me, all right? You know, baptism really is kind of the putting on of a new identity. And, and I know it's just glasses, but, but really, if, if anyone, can you remember the day that, that you were told you had to get glasses? Was it, it was, it's kind of traumatic for some of us. And, it, but you have to own it, you know? And so 
I, I didn't choose to be born with eye problems. I didn't choose to be half blind, you know, at 10 years old. And I didn't choose to have to do this. And, but it, it's sort of a reality that I had to grow into. And in a lot of ways, what we're going to go through with Dean this morning is, you know, he doesn't have a lot of say-so whether or not these waters are poured over him. But he's going to have to find a way to grow into them. He's going to have to find a way to make them fit. He's going to have to see how it works in his life. And a lot of that is what I was trying to say during the, the children's sermon is that we've all been given these gifts and these talents and the love of God has been poured all over us. And the question isn't whether or not we've been baptized most of the time. It's are we living into that baptism? Are we living into that identity? And are we, are we picking up those glasses and putting them on every day and really, really owning that identity and feeling comfortable in it. The last example that I'll give you is, is kind of personal. Um, you know, my father, when I grew up, I, I've told you I spent my summers in Florida and I would spend all summer in his, uh, he was a marine mechanic and so he had a boat shop and I would spend the summer in the boat shop and I always knew it was quitting time because around five or six o'clock he would go to the fridge he would get a beer and he would chug it and then, you know, he would usually have another one after that. Some friends would come over. Now, I don't ever remember my father drinking too much, okay? But I, I do remember I, I went down one summer. I think I was 12. This is shortly after I got glasses, by the way. Um, I, I, was, I was 12 years old, I think, or 13. And I remember uh, a few of my father's friends coming over on a Friday. And that was a pretty typical practice. They were all mechanics, you know, car mechanics or did whatever they did and um, some of them were machinists, but they all worked in kind of the same compound. And they would meet at someone's shop usually every Friday, and they would, they would just have some drinks together. And I can remember one day that year, and I don't know why it stood out, but my father said to his friends, you know, they asked him, do you want a beer? He said, no, I, I don't want a beer. And um, it just kind of stuck out to me. And he had water, hung out, talked, and it was whatever. And we were, we were going to Key West uh, later that summer, and I'm going to tell you it was for vacation, but vacation with my father was never vacation. We were always working. There was always something to do. And uh, on the way down there, I, I asked him, I said, Dad, why, why didn't you drink a beer that night? And he began to tell me, he said, you know, I, I'm an alcoholic. And I've struggled with it for years, and it began to really affect parts of my life that I didn't want it to affect. And he said, I thought about you, Garrett, and I didn't want to disappoint you later in life. And I will never, ever forget that conversation. Because I didn't know, one, that my father had a problem. And two, I didn't even know what alcoholism was. And I didn't know that my father would struggle like that. Do you know what I mean? I didn't know that. But for him to stand in my presence and to look at me and say, I had to renounce the evil in my life. You know, and I'm putting religious language in that. That's not what he said, but, but that is what he said. You know, I'm pushing away all of this evil because it began to make me a person that I was not. And he talked about not having control over it. And he talked about not being able to, to help himself and, and using it as a crutch. And that was a really hard thing for him. And I can remember him crying. And, you know, 13 years old, to see your dad cry, you know, that's a big moment. Um, it's an even bigger moment to realize that adults make mistakes, you know, because I don't know how often as adults, and I'm guilty of this, of, of saying to children when we've made a mistake or something. And so it was, it was a really powerful moment 
for him to admit that. And, and I was thinking about baptism because baptism for some people, you know, they come to the water and this is a, a symbol of a new life for them, right? In different denominations, they actually really emphasize this, that it has to be your choice. It has to be something that you want to do. And, and in a lot of ways, it marks this really, really stark distinction in one way that they were living, and now they're going another way. And I thought about that story of my father, and I thought about what he said to me, and I thought about baptism. And I think that in, in all of those examples, we are talking about baptism. And for every person, it's going to be a different thing, but no matter what, it's always a sign of God's love for us. It's always the marking of a time in our life, whether we're an infant or whether we're older, that, that we understand God's love for us. And we understand that God's love has been poured all over us. In fact, we're drowning in the love of God. And we have to find a way to respond to that, though. I don't know if it's always enough to say, yeah, I've been baptized. I think we have to recognize the gifts that come from that love of God. We have to recognize the gifts that, that come out of the waters and we have to begin to see actually how we're already using them, right? Because a lot of you are probably very gifted and you're probably already using your gifts. Whether you advocate for people uh, that don't have a voice, whether you help people make things that they can't make, whether you make food for people in the world that don't not have a clue how to farm or ranch, whether you, whatever it is, those are all your gifts and your talents. And I really believe that they come from the love of God and they've been given to us to use. But I wonder if we think about them like that. And I wonder if we think about that new identity. I wonder if we think about putting on, you know, the, the sort of new identity that baptism brings us and engaging the world in those ways. And so as you sort of participate with us here and we take Dean through the waters. Think about your own baptism. And if you were an infant, remember times that you've seen people baptize or think about your gifts and your talents and just reflect on the way that baptism has been present in your own life. Will you pray with me? This story. God, thank you so much for an Ethiopian eunuch who rode hundreds and hundreds of miles to go worship at the temple in Jerusalem. And God, thank you for the curiosity of the Spirit leading him to the Scriptures. And God, thank you for the obedience of Philip teaching him what the Scriptures meant. And God, thank you so much for this ritual of baptism that we've been doing for over 2,000 years now. God, thank you for the symbology of it. Thank you for its significance in our lives. And God, I pray that we would see the gifts that come out of baptism. I pray that we would see that if we renounce evil or we put on this new identity or we come to understand something, God, that we would know that we haven't just been freed to be the same person, but God, we're freed to step into a new identity. We're freed to do something new and to spread your love throughout the world. God, thank you for this ritual. Thank you for this time, God, and thank you for this text. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you please stand and join me as we sing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing.
You may be seated. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hear also these words from Scripture. This promise of baptism is for you, and it's for your children, and it's for all who are far, far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls. Obeying the the word of our Lord Jesus and confident of his promises, we baptize those whom God has called. In baptism, God claims us, and God seals us to show that we belong to God. God frees us from sin and death, uniting us with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. By water and the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, the body of Christ, and joined to Christ's ministry of love, peace, and justice. Let us remember with joy our own baptism as we celebrate this sacrament. I'd like to invite the family of Dean Bennett to come up. Anyone that wants to join, we have limited space, but we will make room. All right. If y'all just want to line up, I guess, in front of here. So Emily approached me shortly after I arrived here and said she wanted to talk about getting uh, baby Dean baptized, which is really exciting, and uh, we're so happy to do that. And so on behalf of the session and the whole church, I want to uh, present to you Dean Bennett, son of Emily Bennett and Robbie, uh, for baptism. So, yeah. So you all, I'm going to ask you some questions here. And uh, I will kind of tell you how to respond as we go. Um, But before we do that, I want you to know that I take these questions very seriously. Uh, These are vows, and in many ways, we don't have a lot of opportunities in life to say vows anymore, Uh, but it's a really sacred time, so really think about 
how you respond. And to the congregation, you know, you're taking some of these vows too. And it's okay not to say them if you're not willing to follow through. Uh, it would be better to do that than to say them and then not follow through, I think. And so consider these words as we, as we go. Do you all desire that Dean Bennett be baptized? If so, say I do. Relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith and to teach that faith to Dean? This is for the sponsors. Do you promise through prayer and example to support and encourage Dean to be a faithful Christian? And to the congregation, do you as members of the Church of Jesus Christ promise to guide and nurture Dean Bennett by word and deed, with love and prayer, encouraging him to know and follow Christ and to be a faithful member of this church? We're going to go through a few other of these. Through baptism, we enter the covenant God has established. And within this covenant, God gives us new life, guards us from evil, and nurtures us in love. And as we embrace this covenant, we choose whom we will serve by turning from evil and turning to Jesus Christ. As God embraces you within this covenant, I'm going to ask you to reject sin. I'm going to ask you to profess your faith in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask you to confess your faith in the church, the faith in which we baptize. Trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce evil and its power in the world? If so, say, I do. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? If so, say, I do. Will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love? If so, say, I will, with God's help. Let's pray. Good and loving God, pour out your spirit upon us and upon this water, that this font may be your womb of new birth. And may all who now pass through these waters be delivered from death to life, from bondage to freedom, from sin to righteousness. Bind them to the household of faith. Guard them from all evil. Strengthen them, O God, to serve you with joy until the day you make all things new. And to you be all praise, honor, and glory through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns now and forevermore. Amen. Let's go over to the font here. Anyone would like to come down and get closer, feel free. Don't block the cameraman down here, but you are welcome to come and see this. How does Dean do with water? How is he generally? He loves water? That's, that's a good thing. Do you want to step around to the side there? Give me just a second and I'll take him. Do you want to touch it, Jadalyn? Do you want to touch it? You can touch it. 
<laughs> Baby Dean, do you want to touch it? Do you want to touch it? All right, I'll go ahead and take him. All right, buddy, come here. Oh, oh my goodness. This is a really special moment, you know. And I think that as, as Dean gets older and wiggles away from me, <laughs> I think that he'll want to hear stories about this. And so remember this for when he grows up. And when he's yelling in church while I'm preaching, take him out in the East Room and love on him. Give him your attention. When he is uh, running around the church and almost knocking people over, pull him aside and love him. Give him your attention. Play with him. And if he ever has questions about the faith, give him your time and give him your attention. Because that's what we're here for. Oh, goodness, you are. We're weekly. I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're getting along today, though. No, oh, I spoke too soon? All right, buddy. All right. Dean. You make me cry, buddy. Dean, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Let's pray. God, thank you for it, Dean. Thank you for his life. God, thank you that he's so fidgety and full of energy. God, I pray for him. I pray that you would keep your spirit over him. I pray that you would give him power and strength. God, I pray that you would speak to him. I pray that he would know your love, the love he has of his family and of all of us here in this congregation. God, send him your spirit and your strength. Amen. Let's welcome Dean Bennett into the family of God. All right. Thank you all. Thank you.